morning, friends. How are we doing? I hope you're doing well this morning. Anybody excited to be in church? Yeah. It's a great day to be here. I'm glad that you made it. My name is Jeff Hughes, and I serve on the pastoral staff here at UC. I work uh, predominantly with 180, our youth ministry, and I'm excited to lead us through this two-part series, two weekends, called Stand. I was uh, talking with some friends of mine recently. We were over coffee, and someone said, hey, what's your favorite movie? And so one guy named his favorite movie, and then they said, why is that your favorite movie? And then another guy named his, and says, why is that your favorite movie? And before you know it, we were going around the circle over coffee at Starbucks, and we're talking about our favorite movies and, and why the theme in that movie stuck out to us. And I was asked recently in that group to share my top few favorite movies, and I noticed something that I'd never really picked up on, and I challenge you to maybe think about this later this afternoon, not during this message, but later. Um, my top favorite movies all have a theme that emerged from all, all of them. And so uh, I want to tell you that this is not an endorsement to these films. This is not Union Chapel's stamp of approval on them. And I also want you to know that I'm being a bit vulnerable. So as one of the pastors, please don't look down upon me in any way as I share my films and, and why. Uh, so the first is Braveheart. Anyone seen Braveheart? William Wallace? Yeah, okay, all right. Even got a clap on that one. Uh, Top Gun? Goose? Maverick? Yeah? Fighter pilots? Okay. Uh, the Patriot, another Mel Gibson, yeah, all right, good, good, good. And the movie 300, anybody there? Okay, a few of you guys, all right, good, good, good. Well, these are all films, as my group explored, that, that have a, a, a hero who fights for injustice, who overcomes great obstacles and odds against them, and fights against great oppositional forces. They are action-packed, heroic films. Now, to be honest, I actually hope that this theme is not just something I'm attracted to in films, but is something that is evident in my life in the way that I live out my faith and in the way that I live before the people uh, who I know. Uh, but don't, don't fear. Even if you're here today and you would say, that is not my genre at all. In fact, you're the chick flick type, curl up with a blanket in hot chocolate and cry. I don't know why those movies exist, but... If you're one of those people, never fear, because I believe that this message called Stand will also apply uh, to you. However, if this DNA courses through your veins to stand up and fight, I've got some good news for you here this morning. Uh, my hope is to take us on a two-week journey, a, a journey that will create uh, in each of us not only the desire to stand, but will equip us with the skills and the tools necessary to stand up against the battle that wages on in each of our lives. Our text for these two weeks is going to be from Ephesians 6, the armor of God. I challenge you to go ahead and make your way there, however you're going to read the Bible this morning. We will have the words on the screen, uh, mobile device, Bible, please get there, Ephesians 6, where Paul's providing these final instructions to the church at Ephesus. Not just to connect with the title of this series, but also to honor God's word. Will you stand? As we hear the reading of God's word. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. This message will focus predominantly on the first portions of this text, but here it is. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, 
So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Now put your hand in your Bible. Jesus, we pray you would speak to us. We pray you would open our hearts and help us to get to know you better in this time. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now before you have, uh, have a seat, touch two people and say the battle is real and grab a seat. The Christian life, the Christian life is a battle. It is warfare on a grand scale. In Jesus' ministry, it began with a, a battle against Satan that lasted 40 days, 40 solid days. You can see that in Luke chapter 4, verse 2. As Jesus' ministry was coming to an end, Satan attacked him yet again in the Garden of Gethsemane. And a phenomenal thing happened because this attack actually had so much force that, that Jesus sweat drops of blood. And you can see in Luke twenty two forty four that he didn't just kind of sweat drops of blood that kind of dripped down his cheek a little bit and he dabbed them with a Kleenex. They, they dripped to the ground. Now I want you to think about that. To sweat drops of blood that dripped to the ground, you have to be under some turmoil. You have to be under a bit of pressure. And as I've reflected on these two passages, these accounts teach us just in, in these two moments that the battle just may not get easier as we grow in our obedience to God. It just may not get easier as we grow in our obedience to God. If anything, I believe that Satan cranks up the dial on the intensity. I think he turns up the heat on people's lives who will continually say yes to the Lord. But there is good news because God did not leave us defenseless. However, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians, he faces some immediate opposition. In Acts chapter 9, we see some opposition on Paul. He was run out of the synagogue. He was talking, he was run out of the synagogue by unbelieving Jewish leaders. He was mimicked by an exorcist. Now imagine that for a moment. An exorcist actually mimicking you. He was threatened by silversmiths who actually made their life and their living making silver idols that people would sell and offer up to the gods. And so their business was suffering and so they, they had a beef with Paul. They didn't like what was going on and so they threatened him. Paul knew that in the midst of the greatest challenges, in the midst of the greatest spiritual battles, if you will, he would also face the greatest danger and opposition. Now, isn't that true in our lives as well? Anyone else want to add their hand to that? You know, here at Union Chapel, we can always tell when God is about to do something big. Throughout the last six, six months, we've been planning and preparing for Serve Week, which happened just a couple of weeks ago. And we're still living in the, the results of that. Great stories of lives that have been changed. 
But we're living in a great season where, where God is calling us to expand our borders as a church. You've heard over the last few weeks that we're launching a fourth weekend service so we can reach even more people with the gospel. Families are showing up to worship, getting connected to the ministries. People are growing. We're changing our city. Great things are happening at Union Chapel, and God is on the move. But I can tell when we're leaning into a season that's big because the opposition that the devil has against us increases tenfold. We have staff members and kids of staff members who are sick and in the hospital. We experience increased amount of challenges that just come out of nowhere. But before you know, in the midst of these challenges, it's actually easy to give up, isn't it? It's easy to want to throw in the towel. Maybe even as a church or maybe individually or in your family, you've seen some of these challenges. In fact, I think many of us are tempted to bow out and miss out when our greatest moment of influence is just before us. But when things become difficult, I believe that God is on the move. Because that difficulty is found in the devil not liking it. And so he turns up the heat. But as believers in Christ, we're not just children of God. We're also servants and also soldiers. Soldiers who are called to fight a battle. To stand up and wage war against these spiritual forces going on around us and against us. So Paul is closing his letter to the Ephesians. You notice that it says the word finally right there in Ephesians 6. And he's also giving not only the the church at Ephesus, but us as well, these warnings and encouragement that we can take great hope in. I want to ask you to grab that handout with some message notes in your bulletin. It's got the points to this message outlined and also some room for you to write in some notes as well, because I believe this next five points will be very practical to our lives. I want to give you five factors to help followers of Jesus stand strong. I believe it's important. The first factor that will help a follower of Jesus stand strong is to prepare ourselves with the strength of the Lord. Prepare ourselves with the strength of the Lord. Now preparation is basic to the Christian life. But how do you prepare to stand against the battles that matter the most? You know, often we turn to our our physical abilities or maybe our strength or our skills in business or maybe even our financial stability. But unfortunately, in the greatest moments of need, these things will fail us even more. However, I would argue that both individually and corporately as a church, the only way for us to stand is through the strength of Jesus Christ. And God gives that to us every day. Success in the Christian life is found through complete dependence upon Jesus. Now just do a moment of self-evaluation there. Are you depending upon Jesus? Or are you facing these challenges of life all on your own? We must depend on God to meet us in our greatest challenge, relying on His strength greater than anything we could bring to the table. Here's something I know. All across this room, here this morning, there are people who are facing great challenges. Families that are, that are leaning into challenges, businesses that are struggling, job uncertainty, and God wants to say to you, Face this challenge with my strength. We see from Ephesians 6.10 that we're encouraged to be strong, but not just be strong, to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. We should find our strength in Christ because anything else will leave us lacking. You know, I found this in my own life that my own strength 
it's not nearly enough to oppose Satan and the attacks that the devil has against me in my life. But when I'm strong in the Lord, even a little bit of his strength is enough for me to overcome and win that battle. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe that's a common verse, a common phrase that you've seen. You know, I've learned this. It's not the amount of strength that you have in your life. It's not the amount of strength. It's the source. And where you find the source of your strength will determine the outcome and your destiny as a follower of Christ. But make no mistake about it. We are in a war. We are in a battle that wages on around us, a terrible, fierce war. But we have no reason to be afraid if we're on the Lord's side. And we can have great hope that this strength is deployed when the people of God call upon the power of God. And what the great Puritan believers said this, in the means of grace, of prayer, and knowing and obeying Scripture, and having faith in Jesus, and living out a relationship with Christ, through those things, this God's strength, meets our heart and empowers our lives. I hope you have an ear for that. Our preparation for the battles that wage on around us is to take up our strength in the Lord. Well, the second thing, the second factor that will help a follower of Jesus stand strong is to understand the importance of the provision that God provides. How many of you are glad that God doesn't just call you to a battle, but he gives you provision? Yeah, he does. He gives us the provision that we need. You know, to take advantage of the strength that, of God's might, we're instructed in Ephesians 6, 11 with these words. It says, to put on the full armor of God. To put on the full armor of God. And I'm going to talk in greater detail about the armor of God in next week's message. But I want to make just a few observations for us here this morning. Ephesians 6 starts with the words, put on the full armor. And when you look at the words put on in the Greek, you'll find something interesting You'll see the word in duo. In duo means to put on. But it can also be translated to clothe oneself in. Now, I don't want to bore you this morning with word translations, but I do want you to see a connection here between what is going on. Ephesians 6.11 tells us to put on not our own power, but to put on a power that comes from on high. To clothe ourselves with this power of God. Let me show you something. In Luke chapter 24, there's a great correlation here. Luke 24, 49 says this, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I love that. God wants to clothe us with power on high. You know, in the morning, it's not just important to put on your pants and put on your shirt, which I'm very thankful that all of you did that this morning. Don't get me wrong. It, it's not just important to do those things, but it's important to clothe ourselves with the power of God, to put on the armor of God. And it's also important to know that this is not something that you take off at the end of the day and throw in the laundry hamper or the washer. It's something that has longevity about it. The armor of God is meant to stand with you every day because the full armor of God is the very provision that God gives us for the challenges and the battle that wages on in our life. When used in a military sense, the Greek word translated stand firm is histami. Histami. And we can find great hope in that because this refers to holding a critical position while under attack. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I do want you to signify yes or no in your heart. 
Are you or your family under an attack right now? Is there someone that you are close to that's under a spiritual or physical attack? I believe there are many here this morning in this room who are having family struggles, maybe addictions, maybe children who are rebelling, youth that are struggling, job uncertainty, facing into all kinds of pressures all around us, all kinds of pressure. And to each one, God wants to say to you, histamy, histamy, stand firm and hold that critical ground. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let him take away what God has already promised and what God has given you, but stand firm. God says, I know you're under attack, but stand firm and stand firm in my presence. Stand firm in my Holy Spirit. You can only stand with the power of God and the provision of the armor of God that God will equip you with. Can I encourage you to take up the armor of God to allow you to stand and stand strong as you face these challenges? The alternative is to face it all on your own. We don't want to do that. Well, the third factor that will help a follower of Jesus stand strong is to understand that our enemy is the devil himself. Isn't that encouraging? Our enemy is the devil himself. Ephesians 6.11 reminds us of this. It says to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, in case you're wondering and you're planning to meet me after service or drop me an email tomorrow and ask, do you believe the devil's real? Let me just go ahead and answer that for us all. 100%. Yes, I do. I believe the devil is real, and I believe that if you follow Jesus, he hates your guts. He wants nothing more than to see you fail, to see you be derailed, and live your life off in a ditch instead of following God's best plan. He will lie to you. He will steal from you. He will try to convince you of things that are, that are true, and they will be untrue. He will scheme and manipulate, and he will fight against you. I believe he hates you, and that he'll do anything he can to destroy you. Because you're following Jesus Christ. And because Satan is God's enemy, he's our enemy as well. 1 Peter 5.8 reminds us of this, some great words. It says, to be alert, be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, just a moment of honesty. We're all friends in this place, right? Has anyone else other than me ever felt like you were the lunch that was thrown into the lion's cage? Yeah, you're just sitting there, you're the lunch. You're looking at this lion, this devil, he's got these big teeth, he's salivating and he's hungry and you're the food. And it's game on. Me too. It's important for us to be alert, to have sober thinking in those moments, to realize the devil's real and he hates us and he's coming after every single believer. The word schemes can be translated in the Greek to methodia, it's not hard to make the leap from methodia in Greek to the English word methods. In case you're curious about the methods of the devil, the schemes of the devil, he's cunning, he's crafty, he's a liar, and he will try to steal anything that God has given you. He'll try to manipulate it, change the situation around. That's why it's so important for us to realize and recognize that our enemy is the devil himself. So we can take a stand against the schemes of the devil. That's so important. Well, moving on to the fourth factor that will help a follower of Jesus stand is to understand that the battle is not against flesh and blood. 
So as we work through Ephesians 6, you're seeing this uh, grow a bit by bit, verse by verse. And so we've talked about how we're fighting against the devil, how the devil is uh, our adversary and God is our advocate. But we see in Ephesians 6, 12 this. Our struggle, it is real. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So just a moment ago, I told you that our fight was against the devil. And I experienced a, a feeling, an impression from all of you. It was a, a, a moment of a warm, fuzzy feeling, right? You just felt real good about that, didn't you? When I said the devil hates you and he wants to kill you. Well, I have some additional news there. He's not alone. The devil has other forces, rulers, uh, authorities, these powers of the dark world that will wage war in a supernatural way against your life. They will tag team, they will manipulate, and they will work against you. And I believe the next statement with all of my heart, and I think it's so important, I'll put it on the screen for you. One of Satan's most effective strategies and one of the believer's greatest dangers is this. It's the delusion that there is no seriously threatening conflict between good and evil raging in the invisible and supernatural realm. Get that. That sort of thinking is not only nonsense, it's naive, and it will keep you from God's best and lead you to spiritual stagnation. You see, the war between God and Satan is just as real now as it has ever been. And the truth is, not only is your enemy the devil, it's all of these evil forces around us. The Apostle Paul reminds us that the Christian struggle is not only against Satan himself, but this whole host of demon subordinates, a vast army of adversaries who, like the devil, are not made of flesh and blood, but hate your guts and want nothing more than to destroy you, to kill you, to lie to you. And the problem is, so many times, instead of taking up the full armor of God, and standing against the devil with the power that God gives us through Jesus Christ, we believe the lies. We buy in to the manipulation. We fall for the methods and schemes that the devil uses. And it affects our lives in a very significant way. Our greatest enemy is not the world that we see. As corrupt and wicked as it is, you can read the newspaper, you can watch the evening news and see but it's the world that we cannot see. It's the rulers, the powers, the world forces of darkness, the, the spiritual forces of wickedness. These terms describe all of these different supernatural and spiritual rank-and-file demons of evil that work and fight against you. In Ephesians 6, you'll see a key word. It's the word against. Because each one of these evil forces works against you. But I have good news, church, because there is one who is greater that is for you. There is one who's greater that is stronger. There is one who's greater that will empower you with all you need to lean into the battle that is waging on, to fight, to stand firm, and to win the battle. Amen to that. Paul does not go into great detail in describing these evil forces. He does not go in, into great detail with description of the demonic forces, but lets us know they're there. And chances are, you know they're there too, because you've experienced that buffeting. You've experienced that pressure in your life. 
But I think he's trying to give the church at Ephesus and us as well, Union Chapel, a clear picture of the opposition that is at work against each and every one of us. Here's something I know. Knowing your enemy is step one to defeating him. So Paul is painting this picture. It's a picture of of followers of Jesus on one side. And it's a picture of of this this evil, potent, well-organized enemy that wants nothing more than to destroy you and kill you as a believer on the other side. It's this invisible war that the follower of Jesus is fighting against forces that at times feel like they outnumber, outwit, and outlast us and come at us from every direction. But in the middle of all of that, God gives the greatest news of all to the side of believers who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so welcome to the good news. Does anybody want some good news this morning? I know I could use some. Here it is. It's the fifth factor that will help a follower of Jesus stand strong is to know without a doubt that we have victory and we can stand firm. We have victory because of Jesus Christ. So our response when being attacked by these evil forces around us should be to turn to God, to turn to Jesus Christ, who is our source of strength, protection, and victory, to admit our need for Jesus, to say, I have screwed up. I don't have it all together. I need the power of God and the salvation of Jesus to get my life back on track. You know, I love what Ephesians chapter 1 says to us. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, it says this, And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Now let me just break this down for you a little bit. What this is saying, the incomparably great power for those who believe as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, this great power is the same power that conquered death in the grave in Jesus Christ's life. And so Easter Sunday, we gather, we worship, we celebrate the risen Jesus Christ who was dead three days and physically rose again and ascended. What an amazing power. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to every single believer. It's available to everyone who calls Jesus Christ Savior. But so often what we do, we face into the battles and the challenges of our life, neglecting the greatest source of strength that we could ever have. And we face these things in our own power and we wonder why we're getting whipped, why we're getting beaten on. We are united with Jesus Christ as joint heirs through him. And through Jesus, we're given this power. We're given this authority. We're given this strength as a free gift over both visible and invisible forces that wage war against us. We see in Ephesians 6.13, Therefore, Put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Church, I want you to know that God gives no forbearance, no deferments, no exemptions. There's no postponing your service. He does not grant a delay in your call to arms. And there's no denying or dodging his call. Believers and followers of Jesus, you are at war and you are God's soldier. And this war will continue until the day that our Lord returns to make things all right and takes charge over this earth. 
But even in the most willing and eager soldier of Jesus Christ, we are helpless without God's provision. We're helpless without God's provision. And without Jesus Christ and his life given for us, we're hopeless. And that's exactly Paul's point when he says to take up, to clothe yourself with the full armor of God every day, all day, never taking it off. Take up the full armor of God. I want to remind you of something that God has been teaching me over the last year, and it's this. It's the fact that God calls us to be warriors and not worriers. God calls us to be warriors and not worriers. I don't know about you, but maybe you have a tendency to worry about your problems when God is calling you to stand, when God is calling you to take up the armor, when God is calling you and equipping you with everything you need to stand against that fight. Stop worrying about it and take up your rightful place as a warrior and stand firm. Maybe it's those movies that have shaped my heart in some way. But I believe greater than that, it's the call of God that he has for every believer. To not be a worrier, be a warrior. Don't worry, because in this great spiritual war that's going on all around us, we're called to stand firm. And not only stand firm, but to receive the provision of God when we surrender our life to Christ. You know, maybe, maybe you've been sitting in this room for years, years. You've attended services here at Union Chapel for as long as you can remember. But I want you to know something. Sitting in this church service and sitting in this room on a Sunday morning doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in McDonald's this morning would make you a hamburger. And so the reality is we need to come to grips with our own faith. And if we're facing the battles alone or through the power and strength of Jesus Christ, and maybe you need to come to Jesus this morning. Maybe you need to realize that you don't have the hope. You don't have the strength. You can't stand faithfully to follow God in these ways because you haven't fully surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, once you do that, it's a lot easier to be a warrior instead of a worrier. So if you relate to that in some way, let me encourage you to take a step closer to Jesus today, to open your heart to him, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time. But I want you to know you're given every resource of God. You're given all the provision of God that raised Christ from the dead. And it's within you, every resource our Heavenly Father possesses will allow you and equip you to stand. God is our strength. God is our strength. And it's His strength alone. But we must obey. We must surrender. I love the words of James 4, 7. I think they're so critical to us. They say, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Here's the problem, church. So many times, we just want the devil to flee. That's step three from James 4, 7. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. They come in order. And so have you submitted yourself fully to God? I mentioned the counsel of Peter from 1 Peter 5, 8. These words, to be alert, to be of, of sober mind. And I think that's so important that we're alert that we're aware of what's going on, that we know, hey, I'm trying to take a spiritual step of faith. I'm trying to join a small group or be baptized or attend a next steps class and open myself up to what God has for me. So guess what? As I turn up the spiritual intensity 
of my life in following Jesus, there's going to be a force on the other side that tries to crank things up. And so I've got to be alert and be aware and stand against the devil. Many of you know I grew up in Texas and I lived in a house with my family that was the second house on our block, but it was the first house with a mailbox. And this mailbox had a red plastic barn shape that had a, a rooster on top and a big flag that would come up. It was very Texan. It's okay. You can imagine it. The problem is until one day it must have looked a little bit too much like a t-ball stand with a ball on top. Because some Hootham High School boys came down the street, rolled down their window, grabbed a baseball bat, and just cracked that thing. Five different pieces shattered all over the yard and the road. Well, that mailbox meant something to us as a family, and it meant something to me as a young boy. And so my dad gathered it up, went inside the house, scattered it out on the kitchen table, and got some hot glue and glued it back together. Stuck it back out there on the post, and we were good to go. The only problem is, not 48 hours after that, these high school hoodlums thought it was inning number two. Because they grabbed their bat, rolled down the window, and bam, just cranked a home run with that puppy again. Shattered it into about 20, 25 pieces that time. My dad, again, went inside, gathered all, got all the pieces, got some more hot glue, pieced it together, stuck it back out there on the post yet again. We have resolve in our family. Someone once told me that we should have put a cinder block inside that time. <laughs> We're not that cruel. Yet a third time, these boys, not 48 hours again, crack, just shattered that mailbox into about 500 pieces this time. Well, my dad gathered all the pieces, put it out on the family table like a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. Put it together with the hot glue, had to go to Hobby Lobby, get some more hot glue, piece it together. I learned something that day, very important, that reminds me a lot about life. We get beat on. We get abused. We have times in our life when it feels like somebody or someone has just picked up a bat and has just cracked us. And our life is in pieces. But what we can do, church, is we can lay there and we can surrender and we can give up. Or we can gather the pieces, put the pieces back together, and stand up. We can call it quits. We can surrender. We can give up. Or we can stand in the strength that God gives us. You see, it's not hot glue that holds your life together. It's a force even greater than that. I believe there is an internal, invisible force that resides in every single believer of Jesus Christ that will hold your life together when life seems to go crazy. When the challenges are just stirring all around, there's an internal, invisible force that maybe others don't see initially, but they'll see it by your actions and by your faith. It's God. It's knowing Jesus. It's putting our faith in Christ and taking up the full armor of God as the provision of God that makes a difference. We're able to come back from these challenging situations. We're able to rejoin the fight to stand our ground. And it's so significant that we do so. You know, maybe you're a person in the room today and maybe personally or maybe in your family, there's a battle going on and it's pretty intense. In fact, the, the devil's cranked up the heat to 10. And you're wondering, what do I need to do? What, is, what do I need to take home with me to live different after this hour that we've spent together?
And I think it's this. I think God himself wants to open his eyes and look directly in yours and say this word. Histami. Histami. Stand firm. Hold the ground. Hold on. The fight is not lost. God is within you. Take up the armor of God and stand up. Stand firm. Histami. God wants you to hold the critical ground. And some of you, God wants you to take back the critical ground that the devil has stolen away from you. You can do that through the power of Jesus Christ. And I encourage you to do so. Will you hear that word today from God himself? Histami. Hold the ground. It's critical. Will you stand? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you have overcome death in the grave and that the power of God is within everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. Today we stand here united as a body. There are some in this place who are hurting, who feel abandoned, abused. They feel like they've been cracked over the head with a bat today. They feel like they're all alone. I pray you'd comfort them in this very moment. Give them the strength to stand firm, to face the pressures that this world has all around them. Jesus, thank you that the provision and the armor of God is all around us, and we take hold of it today. Help us to stand firm against the methods and schemes of the devil. We acknowledge that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil around us. And today, Lord, we hear your call for us to stand and stand firm. And we thank you, Jesus, for giving us the strength to stand. It's through Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. Now, church, as we go into this closing song, I want you to know something. God is faithful. God is faithful. And I want you to resist the urge to think about where you're going to lunch in about 10 minutes. I want you to resist the urge to head for the door as soon as I leave this platform. And I want you to take these three or four minutes and listen to God and apply what he's saying to your life because it will make a difference. Maybe you need to kneel down at the altar and pray. We've got folks who will be happy to come and pray with you. Maybe you need to sit down and get right with God right where you are. Whatever you do, do business with God in the next three or four minutes before we leave this place. Let's worship.